You know, there are many so-called financial advisors out there who tout holistic planning approaches, yet you know, their answers always start and end with investments or maybe some annuity that's going to solve all your problems, those magic bullets. And at best, you might get some planning light advice, we'll call it. Has your advisor ever talked to you about income targeting? If not, consider that a red flag, that their approach isn't as holistic as perhaps they claim. On today's episode, hear Tyler Emmerich, CFA, Certified Financial Planner, peel back the onion on income planning, which is a critical part of a successful retiree's overall tax-smart distribution planning. Today, you're going to learn how this type of planning, coupled with careful asset allocation decisions, can save a lot of tax over a multitude of years allowing you to potentially retire earlier, spend more, and give more. And be sure to pay attention to how Tyler, Kevin, and the team at True Wealth use these strategies to benefit clients no matter what, whether you're still working or already in retirement. Buckle up, it's time for Retire Smarter. Hey, welcome to Retire Smarter, everybody. Walter Storholt here alongside Tyler Emmerich. We've got a great show on the way today. Our good friend Irma is back for a little bit of today's show and a little bit of a follow-up to our previous episode. So make sure you go check that out if you didn't listen to the last one about income targeting and should we even care about Irma. Uh, we talked a little bit about that. We're going to dive a little deeper in today's show. Tyler, good to be with you. What's going on in uh, your landscape, my friend? Happy to be here, Walt. Um, you know, honestly, nothing going on. We had a pretty relaxing weekend and uh, not much um, not much going on at all. So sometimes okay, those weekends are good, right? I so. had one of the same. You're exactly right. Like, we've been going a little too fast lately. Let's, let's peel it back a little bit and just have a chill weekend. So it's good it to is. catch up. I don't even have any funny stories about throwing my kid in the water or, um, <laughs> you know, cutting down a tree or nothing. So it kind of hit me right as we started today. So we'll have to leave it with a nice relaxing weekend and uh, we're ready to go for the podcast today. Sometimes <laughs> that's the special nugget you need is I was able to relax. There you go. That's yes, all you, that's absolutely. All you need sometimes. I did, I did um, get a new camera, so I am excited okay. about that to do some, I'm getting into wildlife photography. So I got a new right. camera. I'm really excited about it so i did take a couple of shots with it like to practice with this past weekend so yeah maybe we'll have to get some of those out and you know have walt's um you know photography shop you know get them posted on instagram and have the whole ordeal i mean when you first said that my mind went to yesterday my my camera wasn't working on my computer and i was frustrated because sometimes that technology creeps up on me and i'm like what's going on but as soon as you said camera i was thinking you were going to say something around work and um you know doing meetings and all Uh, that good stuff but happy to hear it's much funner than that or much more fun uh, more fun for sure i do have an uh, speaking of cameras i do have a new webcam that's supposed to be like super duper really cool for zoom meetings and video that we're doing and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so that'll be kind of fun to mess around with i haven't set it up yet but it arrived Uh so there's that fair enough well good deal (laughs) it apparently Um, tracks you if you like move around it'll follow you around which is pretty interesting Uh, i don't know how i feel about that you have to give me some feedback and see how it goes so not as weird as this last little nugget there's some technology that I found out from AI yesterday. If you ever do videos and you struggle to uh, like keep eye contact with the camera, like you have trouble looking at the camera, like you want to keep mm-hmm. looking off the screen and stuff, and you you're really you know eye contact is important to you. AI can now take your eyeball 
and make it always be looking at the camera, no matter how you turn your head. But think about how weird that probably will end up looking in, in humans. Especially so. if you listen or watch back on yourself, right? And right, like, right. A, well, hey, this solves a problem. Hey, more for it. Happy to hear about it and uh, utilize it. I'm but, interested uh, to see that in now, practice. It sounds a little crazy. So Yes. Well, for my my afternoon appointments, I'm going to be looking into my camera to see if my eye contact's off or not. There it's going go. to be probably pretty it's weird. It's going to get into so your head now. <laughs> if you're the family I'm meeting with this afternoon, I might have to apologize in advance, right? Oh, good stuff. <laughs> so, good stuff. All right, Tyler. Um, but, well, take us through today's yeah. episode. You're absolutely right. I mean, you set us up great, Walt. I mean, we're really building off our podcast or the last podcast that we did. Um, so you're going to hear that term Irma maybe a couple times here. If you don't know what I'm talking about or if you haven't heard that before, go back, listen to that podcast. It uh, essentially is income limits. And once you hit over them, you owe a little bit more for your Medicare costs. But we're not really diving into that per se today. Um, we're really wanting to get a little bit more into this idea of income targeting. And it's a strategy that we really call or kind of fits into our tax smart distribution planning. And we really thought it would be a good time to maybe peel back the onion a bit and talk about, well, how does it work? And maybe more specifically, well, who does it benefit? Um, and why should it be a part of your overall planning and approach to um, what you're doing on a year in and year out basis? And you know, I'll give a little bit of a disclaimer here. Kevin and I were talking about the podcast and maybe doing a little bit of prep work and you know he kind of sat back he's like you know you might get an egghead alert on this one so just just be careful just be careful and i was like i don't know if we have to worry about that so walt if you got the, your hand on the trigger finger, i have it queued um, up i'll you know, be listening be careful yeah and and we'll try to keep it and certainly you know I'll, I'll probably get down in the weeds a little bit on today's podcast but certainly listen to it a couple times if you need to we're here if we have questions and i'll try to make sure and keep it as clear and clean uh, as possible so and some of you listening might even be like well what the heck do i mean by income targeting um yeah it, we're let's, targeting some type start of income there, yeah. right <laughs> yes so Does target practice from, what's going on <laughs> and from, so from a high level standpoint when i'm saying income targeting really what we're diving into is trying to understand for on a year in and year out basis how much and what type of income do you want to hit your tax return and there are a few basic things that you're going to have to know and understand to be able to actively and productively target an income level um, each year. And those things are, if you're asking yourself, well, you need to know what's my marginal income rate for my ordinary income each year. So what's your marginal tax rate each year on your ordinary income? Aside from that, well, how much do you pay in taxes on your long-term capital gains and qualified dividend income? And maybe more importantly, once you know those rates, well, how is that going to change year over year? So you might be thinking, okay, well, I might know these things. And if you do, that's great. And how we use the answers to those questions and income targeting is, well, it helps you make better decisions on, well, how you save, right? If you're working and you know your taxable income this year, that's probably going to help you understand, well, should I save pre-tax or should I save Roth? When you head into retirement, and that paycheck goes away, well, 
now you have to look and say, I have some more flexibility on how much income I take on a year in and year out basis. How do I want to manage that? So it'll probably help you more effectively look at all your accounts and decide, well, which account do I want to pull from? I mean, it also even goes further down into just, well, how should I use my investments inside of each of our accounts? You know, we have a Roth, we have a trust account, we have a, a 401k, which type of assets should I hold inside of those? So, you know, you can see all these things that kind of stem off those few high level questions that we need to know around your tax rate and how your income's taxed. And it all is encompassed into this big idea of, hey, what is income targeting? So um, as we kind of think about the layout of the podcast today, I think it'd probably be best well, to maybe just tackle it from the standpoint of a typical family um, and kind of how we apply income planning in, in their specific situation and what the benefit that they get out from it is, right? Always um, nice to put ourselves kind of in somebody's shoes and figure out uh, how that feels. Yeah. What, what, what kinds of decisions might we have to make in a real life scenario? Absolutely. And the first, I guess, family that I, I would want to kind of talk about or a typical scenario would be that family that has most of their assets in pre-tax retirement accounts. You know, it's really not uncommon for families to, hey, you supported a family. Maybe you put your kids through school. You did a good job, managed your debt down low. Maybe even you've paid off your house and you kind of have to juggle all these things. And yes, retirement's there in the background and you want to get there. So how do you do it? Well, you just contribute to your retirement plans through work, right? They're a wonderful place for you to put money. You get free money a lot of times. So we see this a lot. I have a lot of families that I work with in, in the medical profession and like with the doctors, for example, like, hey, you're in school all this time. You come out of school, you have this huge debt that you have to to get down. You you have this influx of income all of a sudden. You have all these goals that you want to accomplish, right? Maybe you're getting married or you want to buy a house. And then you've got these nice retirement plans that the hospital systems offer you, like a 403B or a 457. And so you're just like, hey, I'm going to put all my money I can into those. Anything that's left, that's what I've got to kind of handle all these other goals, right? But what those families find is, is once they get on the doorstep of retirement, you're kind of looking around at, well, what assets do I have to use uh, to help me get through retirement? And a lot of it hasn't been taxed and it's sitting in those uh, pre-tax retirement accounts. So that's the first type of family that we want to we look at. And we want to kind of say, all right, well, what does retirement income targeting look like or just income targeting in general look like for that type of family? And, and the first thing- I just thing, want to reiterate for the listeners, Tyler, mm -hmm. we're talking income targeting, just again, the type of income and how much. So- doorstep type of, of income and how much you, you okay. got it and for this particular family since they have most of their assets in pre-tax retirement accounts hey good old uncle sam is going to get his hands on that money when it comes out of the account right so you've got to when you do your distributions the amount of your distribution will determine well how much taxes do you end up paying on that distribution ultimately does that make sense or does yeah absolutely okay Perfect. So we, before we dive into that income targeting and actually creating the strategy and how do we implement it, there are a few key items that we want to kind of target or trigger on. And the first is, is we are going to have to know their ordinary income rate, right? This is the rate that their IRA distributions are going to be taxed at. This is the rate that their pension incomes are taxed at. And if you look at the tax brackets, what you'll find is, is there are a few rates that 
really see some significant jumps if your income goes above them. So for example, the first one's 12% tax bracket, okay? And the next bracket above the 12, it jumps 10% and any income above that would be taxed at 22%. Um, the other one that you know kind of jumps out at me would be the 24% tax bracket. So if your income's falling in that 24% tax bracket, you overshoot it and your income goes into the next bracket, well, now every dollar is going to be taxed at 32%. So I don't know about you, Walt, I'm pretty frugal, um, but yeah. I'd want to know or I could see value in understanding that, hey, if I pull more money out of my retirement account, I'm going to be paying 10 or 8% more in taxes on that money. Yeah. I mean, at least good to be aware of the fact that that's going to be happening, right? <laughs> right. And if we can work around it, if we can, can work we? around it, great. If we can't, well, yes. then it is what it is. But yeah. Now, of course, those limits aren't like the cliff. I don't know if, it, if anybody listened to the last episode, right? Full send, the Irma tears, which is another limit that we need to be mindful of. It's like, well, <laughs> hey, if your income goes above it by a dollar, we're over, right? Just, just um, evil can evil it, right? Different. <laughs> yes. The ordinary incomes are, work a little differently. But still, the concept still applies, right? We need to know ordinary income. We also need to know, are you going to be subject to these Irma tears? And do we need to be mindful if you have $1 that goes over them? Well, hey, now you're paying more for your Medicare. And then we also, or the third item that we would want to be paying attention to would be, well, how do these rates change for you over retirement? Um, and what is your expected long-term tax rates or Irma tiers that you're going to follow into. And then we can start to build a strategy around that. And as we start thinking about the strategy, well, the strategy is going to be one of, hey, can I save money in taxes? And can I do it more efficiently? Can I take money out of my retirement account and pay less in taxes now than what I could down the road? Or, hey, am I going to have an issue down the road to where my income is going to pop above one of these Irma tiers? But yet, if I start pulling distributions out of my pre-tax retirement accounts now, paying taxes at a lower rate, maybe that will avoid some of those troubles and some of those pitfalls down the road. So that's really where the strategy comes into play and what we're trying to do. And then there is this little item called asset location, which I'll get into that a little bit more on the second family that we talk about today, but uh, asset location is essentially saying, hey, well, I have these types of accounts, most of them in this scenario, or most of my accounts are pre-tax retirement accounts. If I'm going to start taking money out of them and paying taxes on it, well, where am I going to reinvest those funds? And what types of investments do I want to hold in that account? Uh, because there are different tax considerations that we don't want to lose sight of. So that's what we need to know. That's kind of the high level strategy. Now the question becomes is, well, how do we make this thing work and how does it work in practical application? So normally what happens is, is if you're on the doorstep of retirement, you're really focusing on, well, how much money do I need to live off of? I'd say that's a pretty important number to know, Walt, mm -hmm. wouldn't you say? Yeah. Like, hey, how much, how much do I need on a month in a month out basis? Well, that, that's and why they were whole ad campaigns of people walking around with big <laughs> numbers, right? I mean, I know those were like there the was, whole account numbers, yes. with, uh, ING well, or something yeah. like that, right? Or, uh, yeah. or ING, yes. Yeah, um, I remember that, the big orange numbers. Yeah. Um, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. The number is important. And you have to be able to you know, get that to replicate the lifestyle that you want to in retirement. So a lot of times what we find is, is, well, you might have a pension plan that's going to come in on a month in a month out basis. That's going to go towards that spending number. You're going to have social security. Now, of course, social security for the vast majority of us is going to be taxable. So you have social security coming in, but that can be used 
for your normal monthly spending. And then you kind of fill up any gaps with retirement account withdrawals to on a monthly basis to get you that number that you need to spend. Okay. Well, once we know what that looks like and we know how much you need to spend and where it's going to come from, well, then we can go back to that whole idea of the income target and saying, well, what's the difference? What's the gap? How high do we want to take income? And then to cover our normal spending, we're going to go up this high. What's that gap look like and how much is it? And what should we do with the money in that gap? Um, so for example, rough numbers here, let's say you need 100K a year to, to live off of, but your income target was $175,000 per year. That gap is $75,000. And you've done the work to say, hey, I want to get that money I want to pull it out for whatever reason, whether it be taxes or to fed off some of these issues down the road. How can I use that money effectively and efficiently? And a lot of times what we find is that gap or that difference, we're doing things like Roth conversions to go ahead and pay taxes on the money and then get it reinvested and let it grow tax-free forever. But sometimes it can be used for gifting to the grandkids. It can be used for debt pay down to pay off your mortgage or really any host of things that money can be used used for. And as long as it's being used to get you to a better spot financially, debt pay down, reinvesting into Roth, well, then that's all good things, right? And that's all going to put you in a better situation going forward. And in, if we remember, the scenario we're talking about now is that this is a family that has most of their money saved in pre-tax retirement accounts. So from a management standpoint, it's fairly easy for us because we have a lot of control over how much you withdraw from your IRA to manage and take that income right up to those targets and be very deliberate with it on a year-in and year-out basis. So it's it's really sounds like you're, you're looking at opportunity to say, oh, l let's take more out strategically because we're already in X bracket. Let's fill it up. Mm -hmm. Let's that that's the evil can evil part, right? Yes. Like we've already crossed mm -hmm. a threshold, so let's fill it mm -hmm. up because next year, if you need to take out more, you could be pushed into this threshold, or if this changes, then you're going to end up paying more money anyway. So let's go ahead and take it out now. That's really sort of this like next level planning that seems to be happening here. Is just hey, we, we've kind of got these uh, I don't know the, these bumpers. It's like bowling, right? We've mm -hmm. got these bumpers. That that we've got to fit in that we can kind of choose our path in our lane for how we want to go go through that to the end. Right. Exactly correct. Well, and that's a great segue. Well, it's like, well, why would a family want to do this and go through the work? And really it comes back to sending less money to go to Uncle Sam, you know, paying at a lower tax bracket now versus what it might be down the road. And we don't want to forget, I mean, in current tax law in 2026, your tax rates are going up. You know, the 22% tax bracket, if that's what you're in now, it's going to be 25. If you're in the 24% bracket in 2026, that's going to jump up to 28%. So that's as in current tax laws. I don't know about you, Walt, but um, I don't know how much faith I have into some other tax code getting pushed sure. through in the Who next few years. Who knows what else is going to change Maybe it leading does. into 2026. Yeah. That, that's correct. And that might happen. But as we sit here today, that's what we know. Um, and that's the information that we can use to in, in our planning. But not only from a tax standpoint and saving you there, um, but also we got to think about if we're doing this type of planning, well, that's going to help you plan for some of those pitfalls down the road. I mean, the one that comes up to mind quite a bit is like required minimum distributions. Um, now, the age that you have to do those required minimum distributions has gotten kicked down the road a bit, right? It's either at age 73 or age 75 when those have to start. But 
I think a lot of families are surprised with just how large those distributions are going to be when that time comes. And there's not much you can do to avoid that money hitting your tax return. And that can cause all sorts of problems. I mean, we just go back to Irma um, and $1 above. Well, if your RMD is going to kick you into those higher Irma limits, there's not a lot of planning that we can do when that time comes. The time to do the planning is is now. You also think about uh, a family. You know, if you're married and your spouse happens to pass away, well, you're no longer going to file jointly. You're going to go to a single filer, uh, the surviving spouses. Well, those income brackets are much, much more condensed for a single filer, where in many cases we find that, hey, while you're married, you might be in one tax bracket, but that tax bracket might go up substantially for a surviving spouse. And then I think the other thing to kind of maybe round out some of these benefits, we've got the tax side of it. We got the to plan for some of these large, big uh, income hits, let's say down the road. We also got planning for a surviving spouse, but but also estate planning for you know other family members or inheritance or children. You know, I don't know if you've ever inherited any money in a retirement account, but the laws have changed over the last few years where you know there are stringent rules to where when you inherit a, a retirement account, that money is going to have to be distributed under you know what mo- in most cases is is ten years. So that's money as you kind of think about, hey, you've never paid taxes on it, and whoever inherits it's going to have to pay it, and they're going to have a very short window on when they have to get that money out of there. So again, they're not providing much flexibility. Whereas if you're doing this income targeting and you're repositioning your assets into more tax efficient accounts, that's a win-win all the way around. Very cool. Now, yeah. And a lot of people yeah, are going to face absolutely. that more and more, it sounds like these days too, with the, the that was the stretch IRA, right? Where you could kind mm-hmm. of just it was. have an account last forever, pass it from mm-hmm. generation to generation. But the uh, government said, eh, I can't quite do that anymore. And that's going to have trickle down effects on exactly the topic you're addressing today. That's pretty neat it to will. see I- how that will impact. Absolutely. Yeah. The laws were a little bit more um, lax, let's say, on how quickly you could leave money into an inherited retirement account. And those are still in place for some individuals who inherit money, like a spouse, you know, can get around those rules. And there's some other circumstances where you might have some more flexibility there. But but you're absolutely right. In the last few years, those laws have changed and made it much, much more condensed for the vast majority of people who are going to inherit these assets. So, which, you know, that kind of, you know, brings us to that second type of family. Okay. And, and the big difference with this next scenario that we, we want to walk through is that this is a family where they found on, they're on the doorstep of retirement or they're working, but they have much more assets outside of retirement accounts. So they might have a significant amount of wealth in trust account or a taxable brokerage accounts or real estate or a host of other investment options, which, adds a little bit more complexity from a tax standpoint and thus kind of trickles down into our maybe a little bit different approach uh, that we would take under that scenario to that income targeting because there is a little bit more unknowns with some of those assets and the way that the income flows through on the tax return. And you know, we as we start thinking about, okay, well, what do we have to know when we start doing income planning for this type of family that has most of their assets or a large chunk of assets outside of retirement accounts? And the, I think that idea of asset location becomes much, much more important. Not that it wasn't for the other family we just talked about, but you really see it come through under this type of a scenario. And again, high level, what I mean by asset location is being deliberate about the type of investment you hold in each of your accounts. And a very, very simple example is 
All right. Well, if you have bonds, they're tax inefficient um, and have traditionally lower expected return than a stock. So we would want to hold those types of assets in pre-tax retirement accounts. If you have stocks, those are traditionally tax efficient, meaning that they are you know, a little bit more favorable from a tax standpoint. So we might want to hold those inside of your trusts or your Roth accounts. And there is a many, many different shades of gray to this. I mean, frankly, while this might even be a whole separate podcast down the road where we kind of dive into asset location, because when you get down in the, to the research on what this provides to you on a year in and year out basis, the numbers aren't small. Um, the most recent research have shown that if you do effective asset location, again, just what type of investments should I hold in different accounts? It traditionally is at about 50 basis points or 0.5% of after-tax annual returns. So, you know, if you have a million dollars in investments uh, spread across a multitude of different accounts, well, that's $5,000 more return per year. Um, you know, it's not a small chunk of change when you think about just being more deliberate about where your investments are held inside of each of your accounts. And I think it's even more pronounced now with interest rates going higher. Families are getting much, much more interest on their cash and bond investments. And when it comes tax time for 2023, I think there will be some families that might have a pretty big surprise when they realize what their tax bill is going to be because all that interest income is going to flow through and be taxable on their tax return, depending on what type of account that they hold it in. So asset location is a big piece for this type of family. All right. Asset location. I, I, mm -hmm. I was going to trigger you a couple of times there on asset location, but uh, hey, I slid through. you slid through with that one. So we'll see Did. if that one pops up. I, 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 Good. I, see, I see a term on your list that might, uh, that might, <laughs> might trigger you. I don't know. I think, I, I think I'm going to be safe here. We'll, see, right, we'll see though. We'll but see. So we got asset location and then, all right, now we got to go down and take a look and really define, well, when we're doing our income targeting, what type of income are we going to target? Um, and what I mean by this is when you go back to that family we just talked on where they have most of their assets and pre-tax retirement accounts, again, it's easier for us to manage what we call modified adjusted gross income, which is the number that is used for those IRMA tiers and so on and so forth. Um, and but as you get those assets that are outside of retirement accounts and they are kicking off gains and dividends and so on and so forth. And sometimes those gains and dividends aren't as easily managed and we don't maybe know exactly what they're going to be on a year in and year out basis. Well, then that number becomes very hard to manage to. So we or might switch to or target what we call ordinary income or taxable income as opposed to modified adjusted gross income. So let's maybe dive into an example here, right? So let's say we have a widow client He's in his early 60s and has significant wealth. You know, from a long-term planning standpoint, once RMDs kick in, this individual might likely fall in the 32% tax bracket or even higher. So, you know, when we're planning for that, you know, they've got almost 13 years that they can plan before those RMDs kick in or required minimum distributions, because that happens at 73 for most individuals. Then we might target uh, ordinary income of say 24% and fill up that tax bracket um, on a year in and year out basis. And we might intentionally do that with Roth conversions or whatever the case may be. And then we will do that with the understanding that all of that, what we call preferential income, or which is like long, ah, come on. <laughs> uh, so preferential income, 
So, and I don't know if it's going to get much better, Walt, because when I say preferential income, what I'm talking about is long-term capital gain and qualified dividend income. These are essentially just taxed at lower rates than ordinary income for this individual. They might be taxed at 15% or 20%, whereas most income would be taxed at 24. Does that make sense? Or not too bad there? No, you're good, Tyler. I just kind of feel like when you say preferential income, you should have to say it a little differently. Like, you know, like preferential income. You know, you've got to put, nose up a little bit. Put a little nose up, a little more gravitas into it. Yes. Yes. Um, but that income, that preferential income, again, it's taxed at those preferred rates, and they sit on top of your ordinary income. So you can kind of think of it as a cake, right? I mean, that bottom layer of the cake is ordinary income. We can manage that. Those are distributions from your retirement account. Those are pensions and social security and all the things that we have a good idea and can manage. And then that next layer on top, since we can't necessarily manage that as easily, um, or we don't have as much insight into how much of that's going to hit the return each year. Well, since it's stacked on top and it doesn't increase, we know it's a flat rate. Well, then we can manage around it and it doesn't matter as much. And then we can plan around the more important ordinary income. And as I think about that asset location to kind of put a button on that situation. Well, in this scenario for this widow, well, their IRAs might hold tax efficient, lower growth assets, such as, you know, shorter term bonds, um, or tax inefficient bonds, maybe their Roth account has higher growth assets, like their stocks, and then the trust account has anything that's going to kick off those qualified dividends or long term capital gains, or maybe some tax efficient real estate that are going to be taxed at more of these set lower rates that aren't set to change in 2026. So I think it becomes a little bit more complex, um, but the targets and the way that we do it maybe just looks a little different uh, for this type of family. But the reason why we do it and, and the reason why it's important, it's all the same reasons, right? It's all about maximizing your wealth, sending less money to good old Uncle Sam and putting your heirs or your spouse in a better financial situation, you know, should something happen to you. And if you do this over a number of years, you know, you can really see the impacts of it over the long, over a long, healthy retirement. And again, this is just one little, well, I'll use your cake analogy. You always get my attention mm-hmm. if you want to talk food or especially some sort of cake, <laughs> and I'll layer cake at that, man. You've got me hooked. Uh-huh. People don't know, we're, we're recording this uh, podcast today at 6 a.m. my time, but we're talking about cake, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm ready for some cake already. So, uh, Sugar rush in the morning to yeah, start your day. Let's just lean into it. Uh, my, my favorite thing, my dad's birthday is near Christmas, and so he, um, he always gets cake on his birthday, but then it's always when we're all together, mm-hmm. and the whole family there and there's we have a tradition the day after his birthday the morning after his birthday everybody has another humongous slice of cake uh, on the morning after, so <laughs> he I doesn't do that morning. like birthday confetti cake does he is that like the standard or the because that's like in my household like the cream of the crop some no, people might be going oh that's gross but we have a yeah. family we have a family cake so it's something that his mom and his sister have, sometimes he gets two cakes in like back-to-back days sometimes three back when i was younger and still living in the house i'd make him one then we would try travel to New Jersey, his sister would make him one, and then we'd go up to Maine to see his his parents, and they would make him okay. one. So he'd get three cakes back to back to back. But no, <laughs> it's it's chocolate, a layer chocolate cake with homemade chocolate pudding in between the layers, and then homemade right, um, whipped icing over all of it on the outside. It's it's amazing. It's yeah. awesome. Hard hard to argue against that. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> anyway, I'm getting us way off track, but that's all right. Hey, we can talk is, about cakes at any time. This is just one layer of the cake, 
And that's what's pretty cool at True Wealth Design. You guys make a big cake. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we don't want things to get lost in the shuffle. I mean, and, and, and frankly, I always say we're plan first financial advisors. I mean, frankly, we have to have some type of financial plan to put in place to be able to better make these decisions in the now, right? We have to have some idea what the future might look like and understanding, well, what's our families trying to accomplish? What's important to them? And, you know, taking that information and putting them in the best situation they can today and help them understand, well, hey, when are the, these peaks and troughs in your income gonna, gonna come up? Like, when's RMDs gonna come in and how does that, that affect you? Like, what's your long-term tax rate look like? And, you know, do you have any potential estate issues? I mean, these are all things that you really don't know until you've taken the time up front to look at them and talk through them and, you know, look at them through a pragmatic lens. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when we go through this, I, I think, in most examples or what I found is that families will go through this and once they gain the clarity and the confidence that, hey, this is this is going to be all right, we're going to be in good shape or, hey, we can do these things and put ourselves in a better financial situation. Well, what that does is it opens up the doors for them to be more comfortable with maybe their family gifting or their charitable gifting or you know going on more trips or whatever the case may be. And that's where I think the financial planning gets fun is when you open the eyes and help families get to a point where they can make not only better financial decisions for themselves, but just better overall life decisions and 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 do the things that they maybe wouldn't have otherwise felt comfortable doing. Yeah, it's all, it's all great points, all really helpful, Tyler. Any final thoughts on uh, today's episode and, and how we should kind of understand a little bit of this income targeting and, and the IRMA implications and our asset location? Felt like those were the three big buzzwords. Of the day. It was a big one. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think we hit most of them. I got my egghead alert. I talked a little bit about cake. Uh, no, I think we, uh, we hit everything that we wanted to today. I mean, certainly if anybody ever has any questions or anything like that, the team here at True is always going to be available to sit down and have that conversation. Well, here's how you can get in touch. And certainly, if you've got any questions about today's episode or something else that's on your mind when it comes to financial retirement planning and the proper strategies for your situation, uh, the best way to start is to schedule a 15-minute call with an experienced advisor on the True Wealth team. And the way that you can do that is by going to truewealthdesign.com and click the Are We Right For You button. And from your smartphone or your computer, you can schedule a time to visit and see if you'd be a good fit to work together. Again, that's the best place to start that 15-minute introductory call. It's complimentary. Just go to truewealthdesign.com or you can call 855-TWD-PLAN. That's 855-893-7526. And that contact info is in the description of today's show, so you can find it easily. Tyler, great episode today. We got to talk about cake, all sorts of good stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, sounds like after a relaxing weekend, you've got something adventurous, hopefully, planned here in the next couple of days. So I don't know. We'll see. Here's to good catching fun. up, Walt. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoyed it. We'll talk again soon. Come back and join us next time right back here on Retire Smarter. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.